This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on today's future award-winning Talk of Buffalo podcast, I got my fiery buddy, recurring guest Joe from New York City with me. Plenty of Buffalo Bills stuff to get to today. 2-0 start. Top six most national power rankings out there right now. Josh Allen in very early MVP conversations. Been a lot of fun, and we'll talk about all the highs through two games. But then I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to pump the brakes a little bit because it's about to get a lot harder. Reality time's coming real soon, and we'll be finding out if the Buffalo Bills are as legitimate as it seems right now or if it's a little bit of a facade. We'll hit on all that, a ton more, plus later on, I got my week three NFL picks. 11-4 last week, by the way, folks. Against the spread. I'm like a machine picking these games right now. Anyway, I'll have that, all that for you in just a minute. Before that, I want to let you know that today's show is being supported by Sounds Assured. So it seems everyone has a podcast out there today. I listen to a ton of them myself. The biggest mistake that I hear, you can almost instantly tell many people make this mistake. You go out, you spend all your hard-earned money on fancy microphones and boom arms and audio interfaces, recording devices, all that stuff. But the problem is you get it all and you don't treat the recording environment that you're doing it in. Mainly I'm talking about walls and the ceiling. And the result, the audio sounds like crap. It really does. Look, if you need to do a podcast, you need to have some kind of audio, you need to invest in acoustic treatments that are going to make the gear that you have thrive. Sounds assured is top-notch acoustic foam. I know this personally because some of my own home studio has wedges that are outfitted from Sounds Assured. It's available in multiple sizes, very reasonably priced, and most importantly, really good quality. Not like that cheap Amazon stuff that you can get out there. Again, folks, invest in your audio the right way. Visit SoundsAssured.com. Give them a call. Someone will be happy to discuss your needs with you. Uh, As a bonus, use promo code Moran10. You'll get 10% off any order. So do yourself, do your production a very big favor. Go check out soundsassured.com. And on that note, let's do this. Let's do it. Episode 256, Talk Buffalo Podcast. What's going on, everyone? How you doing? Let's just jump right into it, man. Big, big, big guest of mine. Actually, he's not a big guest at all. Well, I'm a huge <laughs> guest. First off, wait, wait, wait. Before we even get started, I am not happy that I have to have the opening of Don Jr.'s wife yelling the best is yet to come. I know there's something like you're doing it as a joke, but God, I, I, want, that, I want that off my open for now on. Out. <laughs> Anyway, if you if you can't tell, my man Joe, Joe from New York City, Buffalo wins on Twitter. Bring back <laughs> the Joe, the Samoa Joe theme. God damn it! All right, go ahead. Yes. All right. Anyways, yes. Go ahead. <laughs> How you doing, man? What have you been up to? By the way, last weekend, Buffalo Bills. We'll talk tons of Buffalo Bills in just a couple minutes here. Only week two in the NFL season, and somebody—I don't want to say who—but 
Here's a hint. His name is Joe from New York City. Is already having weekend getaways with a girlfriend at a Catskills, dude. What the hell, man? What's going on with that? Why are you asking me about my personal business <laughs> on a sports podcast? No one <laughs> cares about my my girlfriend and myself. But yes, everything is going well. We had a fun time away. I uh, I did watch the Bills game after I got back because I was able to get a password uh, on the hell is it called Sunday ticket to watch like a condensed version of it. And uh, it was a great getaway. I did miss most of the game. I did. We did go back to the hotel because I was super. I was kind of a little hungover from the day before. <laughs> and like I was like, I need to like lay down and rest. And so we got back and I was able to find a stream, a stream online. And I actually found right when we got the stream, because it kind of takes a while for you to find an illegal stream. I mean, no, it's sure. real. My apologies. Yeah, you guys know what I mean. But to find the stream. And once we found it and we put it on, the first play we saw was the touchdown uh, to uh, – oh, God. It was the second second to last touchdown they got, the one that, that got them back the lead to, to uh, that Davis guy. Davis? The new guy. Gabriel yeah, Davis? The, the new guy, yeah. The, the guy wearing Stevie Johnson's jersey. And uh, so that was kind of interesting. Like, it's like, oh, we got right on here and we saw this play. And then, you know, then we watched the rest of the game and they played well. Yeah, well, you know what? But props to you, man. Props to you on having a, a good-looking girlfriend, much better looking than yourself. Like I said, uh, you know, you're not, you're dude, not pleasant to look at. Dude, you're so jealous of how good-looking I am at 40. It's it's so <laughs> – it's just – we all know it, Pat. I mean, come on. You, you, I, I definitely have in, in our Facebook Messenger you being jealous of my hair. So I know it's in there. I remember you told me that once. <laughs> I'm jealous of anybody's here. Yeah, you're yes. right. Oh, and you told me that. So, but yeah, you know, I'm 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 a good looking guy, but she's definitely she's pretty. Uh, but you know, I'm good looking for forty. You're even good looking for whatever the hell age you are, fifty or whatever you are. <laughs> I ain't fifty, not yet. Anyway, let me ask you a serious, a semi serious question. So you did enjoy, like I said, getting serious here. A nice weekend getaway. You had a good time. Got to watch the Bills. How close does it? starting to feel a little bit at least like towards normalcy for you because like I said you're able to do stuff like that again that you weren't you know you couldn't do this not too long ago but at the same token obviously you're wearing masks and there's still a lot of stuff that you can't do but like you're starting to feel between this watching sports I know it's crowd piped in noise but there are some fans at some games anyway starting to feel a little bit more towards normalcy towards you or are you still like you feel like you're a long's way off from that yeah it's just it's kind of a combination with everything with like you know, what happened with Breonna Taylor, Black Lives Matter, like cops. Then you got in Trump. Like nothing feels normal. You know what I mean? Like if you're if you're telling me, asking me, like, how, do I feel like it's getting back to normal if we're just concentrating on coronavirus? Uh, a little bit. I mean, we're we're about to do indoor dining. I think actually they just started it in New York City this week. So you know, we're we're wearing our masks. Like we were in the we were in the Catskills, the wilderness. We were pretty respectful. Like we wore our mask when we approached people while we were on a trail. There were a lot of people who didn't, which pissed us off because, you know, we didn't when you're on a trail and I, I don't hike at all. Like, you know, she wanted to go hiking. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. I've never really done it before. These trails are very, very, very small. Like they're probably four feet wide. So when you see a guy coming or a couple coming, one of you has to kind of give way. You know, you can't really just walk past it. And there was copious amounts of times when. We went to the side and this couple would walk right past us with no masks on. And we would put our masks up right when they're approaching us. We just put them up like, OK, like, you know, obviously, if it's just us walking in the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah, we're not going to wear a freaking mask. It's nature. 
But like if you're, you know, you got to be a little bit respectful. So I don't know. Everything right now in like the world is so like it's just every day it's a new problem. And it's like COVID is not even the worst problem anymore. It feels like in this country. It's starting know? to feel that way. I, I don't completely disagree with that. And somebody might hear that and think that you're half joking. But really, it, it, it's not that funny. It's kind of true. You know, I just had Chris Baker on the show on Tuesday. And because you brought up the mask thing. And um, I told the story about how last Friday, my son's high, first had his first high school football game of the year. And they saw, I mean, it was a good dude. It was a good four or 500 people in the stands between both sides. Mm-hmm. And you had to wear a mask. It's mandatory. But I don't know, maybe halfway through the first quarter, it was kind of alarming to me how many people just kind of slid them off and, right. you know, did their own thing. Now, again, you're outside. If you're in your own little space, if it's just you or you and your your wife or your your kid or whoever, that, that's one thing. Yeah. But I did see some where there was like, I don't want to say huge gatherings, but groups of people that just ain't wearing it. I mean, it is what it is at this point. We're talking, we're going in October soon. And if you can't convince people by now how important it is to wear a mask, I, you know, you're just not going to be able to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just a joke. Like wear a damn mask, people. It's really yeah. not, it's not that difficult. Okay. Wear a mask. Not hard. <laughs> Speaking of, and by the way, I, this is one of the things I wanted to talk about. There's some NFL coaches who weren't wearing a mask on the sidelines and holy shit, man, did they pay a big financial price for that? I'll get to that a little bit later on, but Yo, Buffalo Bills, 2-0. and I would say before the season started, anybody who thought the team was going to be good expected them to be 2-0. and That is exactly what they are. I'm very impressed with the way they've gotten to 2-0 and so far. And again, we'll talk some about things that are going good, and then I kind of want to pump the brakes a little bit and flip it. And, you know, some Bills fans, especially, they want to keep riding the high, and I don't blame them. But at the same token, there's some stuff that we got to talk about, some concerns coming up on the schedule and within internally within the team. But I mean, look, you'd be a hater at this point. If you don't talk about Josh Allen in a positive light, at least going through the first two weeks anyway, because the guy, and again, I know this is insanely early, but two weeks in and he's right there with Russell Wilson. He's playing an Aaron Rodgers on an MVP level. I mean, numbers, sometimes they lie, but I don't think they're lying with him right now. I mean, he's completing 70% of his passes, 727 yards passing, six touchdowns, no interceptions, 76 yards on the ground, a touchdown on the ground. This guy's been a machine, and I would say he's exceeded even the most optimistic Bills fans' expectations so far. Now, again, Jets, Dolphins, I get it, but at the end of the day, Joe, I mean, I feel like you've called it kind of down the middle with him. That's one of the things I like about you. You're not a Josh Allen stan, but you're not a Josh Allen hater either. This dude's looking really good right now. You got to admit that, right? Yeah, he's he's been incredible the first two weeks. Uh He's doing everything that we all thought he wasn't going to be able to do, or at least like experts or even us maybe at times thought he's doing a lot of, you know, it's not just a one trick pony throws. You know what I mean? Like the, the, what was the one thing we thought about him his rookie year? Like, oh, man, he could keep, he could complete that deep ball. He's not just doing that. He's doing like all the intermediate stuff, the, you know, dumping down to like guys to check downs, throwing like touch passes to Stefan Diggs has been out of his mind, you know, as a wide receiver. He's doing every single little thing. And, you know, it's been what well, we, we, we made the joke or I've been making the joke on Twitter how long it's been since the Bills had a 300 yard passer. Yeah. And boom, he gets it. And it's like, wow. And they actually win the game when he does it. And it's like, well, let's see if he gets 400 yards because, you know, the last I, time did- I thought about you, by the way, real quick, not to cut you off. When the Jets opening week, when he hit that 300 mark, that's I was sitting at a bar with a couple of buddies. That's literally the first thing I thought of. I said, Joe's going to be so happy. But I oh, I was definitely happy. I, I think I, t- <laughs> I, I tweeted to Aaron Quinn, your boy. 
because me and Aaron used to fight all the time. And that's the funny right. thing now. You know, you you asked about like how ex- the, the the biggest Josh Allen shill, like their expectations have been met and then some. Think about how many times last year I would get in a fight with people people on Twitter about 300-yard games and like, oh, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Then all of a sudden Josh Allen gets like 700 yards in two games. And it's like, wow, 300-yard games are amazing. Huh? It's like, oh, yeah, you know, now that, you know, he's doing it, it's cool to wish for that. But, uh, look, he's he's been outstanding. Like, he's he's been a machine, and he has gotten so much better than, you know, his first start of his career to his last start last year even and even before that. Like, these two games have been his best games as a pro. I, I don't yeah. think you can I don't think you can argue that with me. Maybe you can with a few of the Dolphins games before, no. but, like, he was out of his mind. Like, he's been playing great. When the chips were down, like, you know, the Dolphins were, you know, up last week in the fourth quarter. He got the ball, and what? It took him, like, four plays to score a touchdown. You know, these are long drives. And, like, yeah, he has the occasional missed throw, you know, here and there. But, look, if he's getting me 300 yards, 400 yards, I, I can live with the missed throw, okay? You know what I mean? Like, he can do that. And that's what he's yeah. been doing. He's been playing great. And, you know, Brian Dable, man, like, that offense, I, I said at the beginning of the year that that guy has the most pressure out of anyone on at one at one Bills drive. Because he, if the offense stinks, I thought he was going to get fired. And if it was really good, he's going to get a head coaching job. And right now, it look I don't know how he – if he keeps progressing this way with the scheme and Josh Allen plays well, he's going to be a head coach next year somewhere. Yeah, I agree with that. That's that's a good take. I, I definitely think he's going to be – him and maybe Eric Bieniemy are probably the two coordinators that will be most in line for a head coach. As things stand right now. I'll tell you, it's kind of funny looking back now because when Josh Allen came in the league, we looked at him, big ass boy. We knew he had some athleticism. We found out his rookie year that he's much more athletic than we thought. But anyway, we knew the accuracy was an issue and we knew he had a cannon arm. These were all things that we knew coming in. The accuracy, his first two years, has been kind of meh. Right now it's at 70%. By the way, I don't think it's going to stay quite that high. I could see it drop into the low 60s, which I'd be good with. But what I'm most encouraged about as opposed to a year ago. And again, I kind of want to keep it a little bit in perspective because the Jets in Miami are not good. Okay, let's just put it that way. But that said, his touch on long balls, and you brought this up just a few minutes ago, that's been probably the most impressive thing to me and the thing that has me the most optimistic about him because, I mean, look, we all have eyes. We don't need to be all 22 experts. His long ball sucked last year. He was terrible at throwing anything more than, say, 20, 25 yards. Not because of the arm strength, but because of the accuracy. There was none on it. No touch. That's not the case this year. You brought up a couple throws at Diggs. He's had Beasley in the team a few times, especially against Miami. Some beautiful throws, man. He's showing a lot of deep touch, and I'm also seeing a lot more patience and poise with him. Like in that Miami game, there were times he could have took off. He was waiting for somebody to get open. I, I think his vision is much, much better. Accuracy, and, and like you talked about, a couple of mistakes. But you know what? We know who Josh Allen is at this point. Buffalo fans or people who cover the team anyway, they know who he is. He's not going to be Drew Brees. He's not going to be that accurate. You're going to see some shit that makes you want to bang your head on the table. But I I mean, like you kind of said it best. You live with that. When if you're playing like he is right now or even close to the way he's playing right now, you got to live with those mistakes, right? Yeah. Fumbles. Yeah. I mean, you can if he's getting yards. If he's getting touchdowns, if he's getting points, then yes, you can kind of, 
you can go into that Brett Favre world of where Brett Favre used to get like, you know, the, the, the typical like Brett Favre season was like he would get like 32 touchdowns and almost 4,000 yards. And then he would get like, you know, 25, 20 to 25 turnovers through picks and all that stuff. But he would still be in the MVP talk or in the top 10. Like you get to that. That's fine. And that's what he needed to do. Like the turnovers have always were always there for him. I would say the first year and a half of his career, you know, he kind of sideways that a little bit towards the end of last year you know unless you count the playoff game which he kind of had some turnover issues but give me those yards give me those points I can deal with mistakes and he's been great I can't you know you can't complain about him right now like he's been good and you know he's you know I was uh you know I'm definitely I'm getting there with him very much so like I'm not gonna declare him a franchise quarterback yet in terms of like okay he's like we don't gotta worry about this shit ever again you know, like he's getting there, you know, and he's I, getting close though, isn't he? He's, he's, getting, he's close. getting close. Yeah. And he's better than, look, I, I had tweeted that I thought the bills were going to be like 10 and six this year. And I didn't see that much improvement in Al. I thought it was just going to be like, yeah, you know, they will be a little bit better and the defense will be good. And, you know, the AFC East isn't as good as it used to be. And, you know, they'll get 10 wins. But like, I, I kind of said, like I tweeted, like, I didn't think Allen was going to be that much better, maybe slightly, but he's been better. And, He's 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 the reason the, the he's the main reason they're two and zero. I mean, yeah. like it's, you can't even debate that he's been great. Like he's you know good for him, and you know he's worked hard and in terms of learning the system, he's making all the throws that you want him that you want a quarterback to make. The offense looks incredible. Like he's got like he's got a lot of good skill guys around him, man. I mean, it's the most it's the most you know, and just just think about what he had as as his rookie year. You know what I mean? When he had Kelvin Benjamin, and I don't even know who the second it was. Zay Jones, Foster, he had Foster, Zay Jones, yeah. uh, Andre Davis. Yeah, it was just yeah. a pretty whack ass. It, it was a, uh, it was a horrible. Court. It was a horrible skill position squad, and now that offense, they got a lot of good skill guys there, man. And one of them is Stefan Diggs. I, I do you think this guy's even better than advertised? Now I knew he was a very good player. I know he's put up good numbers with the Vikings before, and we expected him to be good. Coming to Buffalo, I mean, they gave up four picks, including a first to get him. But, I mean, again, let's not jump too far ahead. I'm kind of very careful with, with, with being that way. But, look, two games in, this guy's got 16 catches, 239 yards already. He's tied for the NFL lead, I think, with Calvin Ridley. Uh, he's been targeted 22 times. Against the Jets, he made some really tough catches in tight coverage. You know, clutch, third down, move the chain kind of plays and against Miami kind of opened it up a little bit and showed just, I mean, this guy's a great route runner. I guess what I'm asking you is he even better than you thought he was going to be. Cause I kind of think he is. Yeah. He's, he's a lot better than I thought he was going to be. And he's, we've talked about this before. He's like a mini, he's like, he reminds me of Eric molds, you know, just Jack of all trades, wide receiver who can like go deep or he can run those, you know, you need, you need a seven yard route. He's going to give you an eight yard route. And yeah. he's, he's been incredible. He is legit number one wide receiver. And it's made John Brown's job a lot easier. It's made everyone's job a lot easier. And it's a it's a hell of a trade by Brandon Bean. And he's he's been incredible right now. And it's amazing when you think about, like, the chemistry him and Allen have. And this this goes back to, like, all those points we've made over the years about how preseason don't mean shit when it comes to chemistry. And, look, this dude gets there. There's no OTAs. There's no preseason. And him and Allen look like they've been like a one-two combo for like five years right now. I agree with that. That They look like they've played together for a very long time. That's that's a fair point there. 
One of the things I, I feel like was a concern with the trade, you mentioned John Brown and also Cole Beasley. What was the ball distribution going to be like? Now, we know when he was with Minnesota, Stephon Diggs got annoyed, and I'm putting that mildly, up, that he wasn't getting the ball enough. Um, now you got, again, two other good receivers. That was a concern, but so far, and again, I keep having to hammer this point on, and I apologize. Well, no, I don't, because again, it's early, and they've played two pretty shitty teams, frankly, but you look at that pass distribution, Diggs has 22 targets for two games, John Brown has 16, and Cole Beasley has 13. I mean, Beasley being 13 and third on the team, that's six and a half targets a game. That's good. And Brown has produced. His numbers ain't dropping. 10 catches, 152, two touchdowns already. Uh, Beasley's got nine catches through two games. I love the ball distribution. And it's a concerted effort too, because again, they're not, they haven't played any come from behind. That New York Jets game, they came out throwing. I think Johnson had 46 pass attempts in a game that they never realistically were in danger of losing. Just looks like that's going to be the offense this year. It's a lot more fun to watch if it's nothing else, ain't it? Yeah, it's an NFL offense. That's that's what it is right now. Like it's it's something we haven't seen in years. You know, it, it, or not even years, decades in Buffalo. But they have a great scheme. I think they could do whatever they want right now in terms of like, hey, we're going to come out there, we're going to run the ball twenty to thirty times on you know one game, and maybe they want to go, hey, we could do it forty to fifty times. But it looks like a legit offense right now. I tweeted out, let me know if you think I'm overreacting because we're both overreactors, especially me anyway. I tweeted out Diggs, Brown, Beasley with the arrows slashing in their favor over Molds, Perilous Price, and Josh Reed. Do you think I'm right? Do you think this current one squad is better yes. than that? Yes. Yeah. Look, at the end of the day, Pierre, like... It's a tough one to say, Pat, because, yes, Peerless Price and Moles had, what, like 194 catches. Do I see John Brown and Diggs getting 194 catches between them like they did in 2002? That's a tough act. That's tough for me to say. But at the same time, Peerless Price ended up having really one one good season, like one great season, and then, the, and then he wasn't really good afterwards, to be honest with right. you. So, yeah, I think it's the it's def, I think it's better than that. Than that in a – Gosh, it's kind of a tough thing to say. Only because, like, career-wise, I would say it's definitely this group because I John Brown has had two 1,000-yard seasons. Diggs has been very consistent. I would probably say Molds is better better than Diggs slightly, but, like, that could obviously change, and that's mostly me saying that because Diggs is younger and, you know, he's only sure. what, like five, six years into his career, not even. And But I think John Brown's better than Price. But it's definitely, if you want to just view it in a, in a year-to-year thing, yeah, I think I think this 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 crew is better, you know. Yeah. But uh, they have a lot. It's close, but they, you know, in terms of like, because that 2002 squad, that was a very that offense was humming the fun. first. Eight, they were they were fun. They were humming the first eight weeks of the season. Then they kind of cooled down towards the end, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. So obviously they have to kind of get it going for this one. So, yeah, I agree. But yeah, it's a look. It's a fun offense, and it's it's something we haven't seen in these parts in a while. Is like I, you know, I think you know they're a very pass happy, you know. I think they're a very pass happy team. It, it reminds me a little bit of like you know, if you if you remember the Chan Gailey years, they they threw the ball a lot. They just weren't good at it, unfortunately. <laughs> but they they threw it a lot. But like right, you know. But that that's kind of what this is. Except they're throwing it really well so far in the first two games. Now you know what I'm noticing a lot of going on during the week, and I understand why. So we we spent a lot of time. We talk Josh Allen. We talk about Stephon Diggs and how great he is. 
and how John Brown is one of the more underrated receivers in the NFL. Stephon Diggs called him the most underrated receiver in the NFL. The offensive line has played very well, and, and that's kind of important to point out because there's a couple numbers that, again, people aren't really talking about. Josh Allen has 81 pass attempts in two games, and he's only been dropped four times, only been sacked four times. Now, they didn't run the ball very well, particularly against the Jets, but I also didn't think they really tried to run the ball against the Jets because the game plan was to throw the ball, and they did that. Uh, week two against Miami, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, they had between them 18 carries for 93 yards. So they got the running game going against the Dolphins. And that also doesn't include a horrific call on uh, Isaiah McKenzie out in what was a bullshit penalty that wiped out like a 20-something yard Zach Moss run too. So again, the running game's going. They're doing very well protecting Josh Allen. For the most part, he's had an eternity to throw the football, frankly. Uh, Darrell Williams kind of surprised a lot of people. He got the starter right tackle, snap one, week one. He has played every snap there. He's looked really good. Uh, Cody Ford has slid inside the guard. He's looked very well. Mitch Moore should. He's getting paid a lot. Deion Dawkins haven't been saying his name, so that means he's doing his job. Uh, again, you and I are no film experts, and we don't try to be, but we have I'm an eyes. Expert, you you know, ain't no period. I'm an expert. Ex- I'm an expert, period. Okay, I don't need no all 22. <laughs> Seriously, bullshit. this offensive line has is, is done a, a, a very good job, and I'm a little bit surprised that they did pull the trigger on moving Cody Ford. But I'm glad they did because I like Darrell Williams. Again, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. I keep saying that. But two games in, this offensive line has been done very well without John Feliciano, I might add. Yeah, the line has been pretty good. I don't really care if they can't run the football because if they're passing the football, then I'm I'm kind of cool with it. <laughs> you know, obviously, if, 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 if Allen comes down to earth a little bit and they're having issues with running the football, then then that's – or passing the football, then that's when you, you need the running game to be better. But – yeah, the line looks pretty good right now. Uh, they, as you said, they they the the, the Jets game they they kind of had difficulty running the football, but they that wasn't their game plan, like you said. Uh, but I, it, everything's great. I can't I can't complain about this offense. You know, right now I think outside of like Dawson Knox, you know, he hasn't. You know, I kind of if, if if you were to ask me before the season started, like who did I think could be like the most overrated player on this team? On defense, I would have said Harrison Phillips. On offense, I would have said Dawson Knox. And yeah. Dawson Knox just, you know, he's whatever. Like, he's just, you know, he's got a case of the drops. He's, you know, fumble. He had a, a you know, bad fumble this past week. Obviously, he's, he's concussed now, unfortunately. Uh, but it's it's one of those things where how much you have already your skilled guys, your three top wide receivers. I could see it to where. The Bills could have their their three wide receivers like get over nine hundred yards each, and then the next person is like someone like at around like three hundred or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it's just going to be the three wide receivers are going to be the ones that are getting all the yards. Yeah, I would I would like to see Dawson Knox take advantage of his opportunity better. I mean, the game was out, so I actually didn't even see the play, but he did catch a thirty eight yard pass and fumbled. I don't think any tight end in this offense is going to have huge stats because Josh Allen really likes to throw the ball around to the wide receivers, plus he runs the ball a lot, which I'm fine, which by the way, you know, we talk about this offense and I kind of want to move on here. How sweet was it? So you talked about that pass to Gabriel Davis that put the bills up 24, 20, because they were down. Allen took him right down the field, but even more impressive to me was Miami punting on the next possession. And then the bills nursing a four point lead. We all sat here and said, Hmm, can they run out the clock? Brian Dable had enough confidence in, Josh Allen, that that was not the case. They threw the ball 
Uh, a 46-yard touchdown pass to John Brown to clinch it was really cool to see. So, again, we keep saying fun because it is fun to watch this team play right now. Now, on the other side of the ball, this was supposed to be coming into the season, a team all about defense. And they've had key injuries early. So, you know, Josh Norman hasn't played yet this year. Milano and Edmonds both didn't play against Miami. But they've still looked okay, pretty good. Six sacks in two games. I love Mario Addison. He's looked pretty good. Uh, he's already got two sacks, a sack each game. Ed Oliver looks great to me. I don't care about what the numbers say, though. He has a sack, too. Uh, Tyrell Dodson did a pretty good job stepping in for Edmonds. Uh, Poirier and Hyde look really good, like they always do back there. So the defense has not been great. And again, they have faced kind of shitty, not kind of. Let's, dude, they faced two shitty offenses, okay? But they've still looked good enough, especially in Miami with a, a veteran quarterback and, and down your top two linebackers. Good enough. Is that about the best you could say about the defense right now anyway? Well, to go back to like your initial point, I wanted to go with the John Brown thing, like on that touchdown. The the most the coolest part about that play was the play before they went yeah. for it all again and there was the miscommunication or yeah. I don't know what the hell happened. And then you know, you're kind of feeling like, okay, it's gonna be third down, maybe they're gonna run it and not do that again. And instead they go for the jugular, even though it didn't work the first the play before. That I thought was very impressive. As far as the defense you know, it's it's tough to say because of the injuries with the linebackers. I mean, I think I think they have a really good pass rush right now, and Addison adds something to that dynamic. I think he's been really good, obviously, with getting sacks mm-hmm. and pressures. Um, they've been fine, but obviously, and we'll probably get to it a little bit. Is like the middle the the middle of the field is kind of like Moses parting the Red Sea right now. Like it's yeah. wide open right now with without Milano without. Tremaine Edmonds and I kind of was like figuring this out like I you know I'm a I'm a cynic obviously that's I mean if you listen to this podcast you know that and I was kind of trying to figure out to myself like when was the last time the Bills defense under Sean McDermott had a really impressive day against a really legit offense um like 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 go back to last year there they beat up a lot of crappy teams a lot of crappy quarterbacks why? Like the only one I can think of was Deshaun Watson two years ago. That was when like the that was a game where where Josh Allen got hurt and then Peterman came in and he threw a pick six or whatever. They really like contained. They really shut down Watson in that game. I I I think it would come down to how much did you respect uh, the New England Patriots offense last year because the Bills lost the game. That home, I think it was the home, that wasn't home opener. They lost 16 to 10 in a game that I thought the defense absolutely stymied Tom Brady the entire day. It was that the offense completely sucked. I do agree with your point in general, though. The Bills, I don't, but is that a criticism or a compliment that they face inferior competition and they don't let shitty teams beat them? Sure, but you know what I'm saying? That's fine, but I'm saying when they go against legit offenses, what's going to happen? We haven't had those moments and you said the Brady game like yeah they they stopped him in that home op- that home game but if you remember the last game towards the end of the season yeah Brady, Brady, had, Brady had one of his best games that season and they've they've and not, you know that's that's a tough thing like they've had they've had pretty good success against Brady up until that last game but other than that it just hasn't been like I don't know I like th- there's games where you know going back to 20 like I don't know. I don't want to go back to 2018, but remember like the first two games against Baltimore and the chargers, they gave up like a hundred, they gave up like 70 points. Yeah. And then, and then like they remember when they played the Colts and the Colts had luck and they had a really good offensive line and they just ran all over them. And then the Eagles last year, the Eagles ran all over them and the Eagles, you know, the Eagles have like 
they have like they're respectable. You know what I mean? It's not Duck Hodges. So right. I, I I am kind of concerned a little bit, like wondering like, okay, they haven't like they need to have that game where they just shut down like a really good offense. Like, you know what I, I mean? And I think the next two weeks the next two weeks are gonna be pretty interesting to see what happens. Like, you know, I'm not saying shut them out like shut like oh I want I want a three nothing like score three points, but like really stymie a good offense. You know what I mean? And not and not Duck Hodges or a rookie quarterback or whatever, or you know, or Darnold. You know what I mean? Like, let's see what happens now. Cause this season, I've been hammering this point since freaking I don't even know, since like no since March. That they ha- they got to play a lot more better. They got to play a lot better quarterbacks this season than they played last season, and that's a yeah. Fact. I I completely agree. I would say going back to last year, and you don't just look at the box score because he had a lot of garbage time stats. But I I feel like Buffalo beat up on Dallas, who I don't care what the record is. They did have a lot of talent, especially on offense, and I felt like the Bills' defense for the most part dominated them. But I do agree with your point, which is a perfect segue into what I was going to get into anyway, and that is. And I've been saying it several times in our conversation today. I got to pump the brakes. Even if I don't want to, I got to be realistic here. The Miami Dolphins are not good. The New York Jets very well may be the worst team in the entire NFL. Now, I'm not going to fault the Buffalo Bills. They play who's in front of them. That's their job. And they've looked very good doing it. But Bills fans, like on social media, man, are a little bit getting a little sensitive right now to anybody who wants to pump the brakes on what this team is doing right now. Very overly sensitive to any criticism. And obviously that starts, of course, most and foremost with, uh, with Josh Allen. I mean, if look, <laughs> it's insufferable. I'm, I'm just going to say it. Now, I know PFF sucks, and I, I kind of think that they troll Bills fans at this point, just like Skip Bayless trolls LeBron James fans and, and you know, Aaron Rodgers fans and stuff like that. A lot of these, some of these, at least, you know, the national people, they, they might be assholes, but enough is enough. Who cares? The points that and you brought up, one of them that I want to talk about right now, it's a very valid concern. Dude, Mike Gusecki, that tight end from Miami, killed the Bills. Killed the Bills. And there's even better tight ends coming. The middle of the defense is a big problem. I got murdered on Twitter and Facebook for saying that shit because, you know, all I kept hearing is Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano were out. They were out. But you know what? The Bills' defense in the middle of the field, defending the middle against tight ends, it's been a problem for quite a while. You just talked about it. Other, and I came up with Dallas and maybe to some extent the first meeting with Tom Brady. The Bills have not been very good against better offenses in at least if nothing else in defending that part of the field. There's a lot of work to be done, man. This is not a perfect football team by any means. And Mike Gusecki, what he did to the Bills, that scares me. I don't know how you feel about it because again, if you want to take the approach while well, they had two linebackers out, I don't care. I still think he would have had a big game because it's a problem for the Bills. Yeah, I don't know if he would have had a big game still, you know, if, if both Edmonds and Milano are, were in it. But it's a fair concern. And, like, we just went through it. They're, they haven't really had, like, that, you know, they've had they've had a little bit of that lucky schedule when it comes to playing crappy quarterbacks. And, you know, look, Bills fans being overly sensitive, I mean, that's that's a tale as old as time. They've done that forever. Uh, Understood to a point. To a point, maybe, but I think you're just there's there's a lot of like they sh- they could be like a a, a two hundred page paper on the the psyche done on Bills fans from like a psychologist because it's just the weirdest thing ever. Uh, Pro Football Focus, yeah, I don't know how this this past week I saw that they had 
Josh Allen ranked as like the sixth best quarterback or like Darnold was ahead of him this past Dude, they Sunday. had him 12. They had him 12 yeah. last week. Yeah, like that. I don't I don't get that at all. Like that just feels like they're definitely trying to troll them. And, you know, I've been mostly on their side a bit when it comes to like the Allen stains being obnoxious. Right. But like when that happened, I was like, all right, like, yeah, you, you can go to town on these people. But, you know, I don't know. Like, look, it's he had a. He, I, I, I said I said after Sunday's game, I'm like, yeah, look, this is the week Alan Staines can be assholes. They want to. Uh, I would say be careful, you know, and, and like, you know, because it's still a lot of football left, you know, and I'll just say this about people being obnoxious. Like, I, I feel there are some people who are doing it that is, I feel are a little bit, you know, unprofessional who work in the media locally who are really slam dunking on people who didn't like Josh Allen. And I don't, I don't understand what the, the, what that what that is in terms of like people are doing that like like Matt Perino's doing it, Sal Capaccio's doing it, and I'm like, you know, and I, I heard Sal on the radio. He was trying to like kind of defend it, like he was like, you know, I'm doing that because people really treated Josh Allen badly when he came into the league, and he wants to do that. And my opinion, my take on that is, well, a lot of quarterbacks from that draft cast got treated like shit. Okay, coming into the league, like Lamar Jackson was told by a Hall of Fame. GM, like you should be a wide receiver. Baker Mayfield was told he was too cocky, too arrogant, all that sort of shit. Josh Rosen was said like he was uncoachable. He was too woke. Like there was a lot of people who crapped on everyone going in for, you know, into that draft class, you know? So I don't know. I, I kind of feel sometimes people are doing that, especially on a media, since they're trying to get the likes and the tweets and be viewed as like a martyr for the Bills fans. And I, I just, I don't. I don't think that's needed. You know, and there's some people who are pretty silent about it. Like I don't, I don't hear Joe Biscaglia or Matt Fairburn or Jay Skursky or whoever going out going like, "Oh wow, look at all these Allen stains. Let's let's dunk on them." You know, I don't know. It's just kind of like I I, I, I find it weird with media people do that when fans are doing that. I'm a little bit more accepting, a little bit because you're a fan, you're a fanatic, you're an idiot. You're like that's that's in your blood. But if you're a media member, you're doing that. Uh, come on, like he was not sent cast a first stone. Like they've, we can all code take every freaking media person, myself included, who was wrong about coaches, GMs, quarterbacks over the last twenty years. And I, I don't. I think it's a little bit, you know, half it's fair. Fun. What you're saying is fair. I, I think what you're saying is very fair with with media people. I'll say this. I mean, I don't want to go down another avenue for another discussion. I'd love to have this discussion with you in a future podcast about the media and the way it works in 2020 nowadays, as opposed to the way when you and I came up, you and I were teenagers and young adults, the way the media was is definitely in a lot of areas completely different. And and it's a very fair point, by the way, I don't disagree with what you're saying at all. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know that. Yeah. I mean, it's, and that's what it is. Like, I think I I, look, I love Ryan Talbot. He's a good guy. Uh, You know, we talk wrestling here and there, but like, uh, he he and a bunch of other people like they're the first people to look on the internet and they find some guy that's that's name is Jason five four three two nine whatever and that hates that hates the Bills or hates Josh Allen and let's quote tweet this guy into oblivion who didn't like Josh Allen or complain and I just kind of like if you do that I understand like quote tweeting people like you like to slam dunk on them but when you're doing it every freaking day or ever after every game. It just gets a new, it gets it just looks small time, and I'm in the minority because I think a lot of Bills Twitter loves that stuff and they get into it. Well, and that's, that's the thing. That's the thing, and I, I feel like in today's media, and again, I I do not think you're wrong. I want to put that out there. I actually agree with what you're saying 
the theory and the spirit of what you're saying. I think in today's sports media, though, with so many options, like again, when you and I were growing up, it was the news, it was one or two magazines, and that was it. Nowadays, there's so much competition. You need to have people like you. I don't. I know it might be unpopular to say that, but it does matter. It matters because if you don't like, and again, I'm just going to say names that, like you said, like if you don't like Matt Perino or you don't like Ryan Talbot from New York Up, you got 20 other options to get your Bills coverage. When you and I were in our 20s, it was the Buffalo News getting crammed down your throat, maybe a local rag and and the and the uh, you know the area WGR, and that was it. Now there's so many, so I feel like, and I do agree with you. Some of these people go out of their way too much to defend critics of them because it does win fans. Now these are at least a real media people. You know, I call, I blocked him and he's blocked me. But like that Bradley Gelber guy, whatever. He goes after every single day on earth. I don't ever see his tweets because again, I'm blocked. <laughs> I blocked him back to use a joke. That's your thing. Someone blocks you, you block him back. Well, sure. I guess what? I did the same exact thing. But anyway, I agree with you. I'll tell you what, let's put that part on the shelf for another conversation because to me, it's a fascinating topic. I'd love to talk to yeah, you more it's, it's, about it. Yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, like, like I said, this week I, I was I was fine with people, with fans you know, going to the pro football focus people and yelling at them a little bit and, and, and how they rated Allen this week was stupid. Like, I don't know what they're doing. Like, obviously it does feel like they're trolling each, they're trolling each other. It's like Crystal Strander, you know, two in the box had the perfect, when I said, like, I was kind of complaining about it and like he had the perfect analysis. He said, Bill's fans versus pro football focus is like, it's like the Spider-Man Spider-Man meme of them pointing yeah. at each other. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Cause they're both kind of like, They've always been like, you know, I think I think they're like writing takes and trying to get them trying to wild each other up a little bit. So I I mean, but, but I'll just say this to everyone like who's listening and who's an Allen stain. Be careful, because like if Allen struggles this week, you know, they're going to come flying at, at it back and go, here you go. You know, right. here's, your, here's your medicine. He missed these throws. He missed that. Blah, blah, blah. But like, look, you said it yourself. Like, who gives a shit? Like, I don't care. Like, I, I, I don't like. Just who cares? You have a bunch of other media options for you to look at, for you to read, to to get your takes from. Like you gotta be, you gotta be pissed off because you know Josh over at the the draft site Watch dot com doesn't like Josh Allen. Gives a shit. Like ESPN <laughs> likes Josh Allen. They they, they like Chris Mortensen liked him. So did the Mel Kuyper. You know, a lot of people like him. You, I turn it on the the guy that who hosts the football show on NFL Network. Freaking loves him. That Connors guy on ESPN loves him. There's a bunch of people you can get your 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 Josh Allen propaganda. He's the greatest of all time from, you know, I, I, <laughs> anyways. All right, go move on. Let's go. Let's go. I, I agree with you. And to put a wrap on that. Yeah, look, also, you know, the Bills have stunk for the most part over the last two decades. And a lot of especially younger fans are just simply not used to the Bills being good. Now, it's one thing, you know, 28, whatever it was, 2017, they made the playoffs. Who cares? They backed in. Last year, yeah, okay, cool. Now they're back again this year, and this year they seem legit. Dude, a lot of people, if you're in your 20s or even some people in the early 30s, you don't even know what it's like to have a team that year in and year out is expected to be one of the top, you know, sure. one to five teams in the conference. So maybe some people just don't know how to handle it. I for, And again, I'm not criticizing all fans. It's cool to be excited about the team. You should be. They're good. But let's just pump the brakes a little bit. Now I want to get back to what I said. Mike Gusecki, who carved up the defense, uh, tight ends. That shit might be a big problem. I'm sorry. Matt Milano and Tremaine Evans better be very good, and they better do a good job of covering tight ends because guess what? It's going to get worse because Tyler Higby's coming Sunday. He's a, he's, I think he scored three touchdowns last week for the Rams. 
Darren Waller, I watched him on Monday Night Football, completely own the New Orleans Saints defense. John o. Smith from Tennessee is very good. Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in football. We're going to see him in four weeks. Uh, you got Hunter Henry coming later on this season. George Kittle, Noah Fant, who's a really good pass catcher. That is an area of problem for the Buffalo Bills, defending the field. Again, you don't need to be an all-22 analyst to know that shit, man. And there's better tight ends than Mike Gusecki, who's good. Coming to town, man. It's going to yeah. be a problem. They we're better gonna, figure it out. Yeah, we're going to find out how good this defense is within the next month because yeah. they got a, they got a tough a tough ass schedule with these offenses. I love the Rams offense. I've always been a fan of their offense. They got so many weapons. I like Goff. You know, I know they kind of had a hangover last year from the Super Bowl, but that's a tough matchup, man. That is a tough ass matchup because you got to think, you know, they're going to play zone you know, I don't know if they're going to shat, like have Trey White on Robert Woods. They probably won't. Yeah, it's and it was if they do, Joe. Let's say they do. Let's say you're right. Let's say they got Trey on Woods. What am I? You got you got cup. I'm one on one with Trey with uh, Levi Wallace. Levi Wallace is a huge problem yeah, at quarterback too, and it ain't got nothing to do with Matt Milano or Tremaine Evans being out. Ryan Fitzpatrick saw that dude said, "Yo," and he did this last year too. By the way, I'm going after this guy like virtually every play. Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, whoever the hell it was that was lining up, just going at him. I agree with you. I like the Rams offense too. And they're certainly much better than the Miami Dolphins offense. And again, if you put uh Robert Woods and, and Trey White shadowing him or whatever, you got Connor Cup. I, I, dude, that's not a good matchup, man. You're right. We're going to start to find out. Let me give you an unpopular opinion, by the way. No, actually before that, uh, your, your take on Levi Wallace so far, I just see a guy who's a liability. And I know everybody talked about, well, he could be serviceable. Well, where is it? Because again, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Preston Williams aren't going to beat you. Jared Goff and Robert Robert Woods and a lot of these other combinations coming up, they will beat you. Yeah, Levi Wallace, look, he had a nice rookie year, and I think it was one of those, like, oh, wow, he, like, he came out of nowhere. Like, who is this dude? But then when you start giving him, like, pl- more playing time, and yeah. he ends up moving down the, up the chart to, like, your second cornerback where he's got to be on the field for most more plays than if he was, like, your, you know, your fourth guy. That's when you start getting issues. And we've seen these issues like dating back to last year a little bit. And they've been he has not he's struggled, man, especially in that Dolphins game. You like you said, it fits fits torched him. And this is fits. Like Fitz is not like this isn't Fran Tarkington over here. It's Fitz. So I think, yeah, he's he's a little bit of a liability. Josh Norman needs to get back. What's his stat? I haven't even kept up. Is he coming back? Or is he, uh, he's is out he, a minute. Well, he's definitely out this game because he went on short term IR. I tell you, that's been my biggest bitch on this podcast going back six months. I really complain about three things. Linebacker depth, which I think any team in the league can comp- complain about. I hated QB2 behind Josh Allen. I said, if he goes down, the season's over. And I hated the fact that they signed Josh Norman and did nothing else at corner because I didn't trust him before he got hurt. He's had a couple shitty years in Washington in a row. System or not, lack of talent or whatnot, whatever. I need to see him improve himself. But having said that, I hope he gets back out there soon because I've seen enough of Levi Wallace to know that at best, the best you could hope for for Levi Wallace is that he doesn't kill you that Sunday. I, I That's just the way I feel about him. I love the rest of the defense. Defensive line looks good. The linebackers are great when they're healthy. This, I mean, we already we talk about the safeties all the time, and Dre White's one of the best. Where's the weakness? It's CB2, man. It's bad. It's bad, and it's not going to get better. It's not going to get better. I don't trust Josh Norman, by the way, but at this point, I hope he gets back soon because I want to see him. Here's an unpopular opinion, dude. You've you've kind of hit it at this with the schedule getting much harder. The Bills are 2-0 right now. We're all feeling good. Everything's good in Bills Mafia. This is not going to fly, but I'm going to be real here. 
there's the good, realistic potential. The Bills could lose the next four games in a row. They could lose their next four in a row. So you got the Rams coming in Sunday. We know how tough they're going to be. Then you got to go to Vegas the following week. I just watched the Vegas Raiders beat the New Orleans Saints, who I picked to win the Super Bowl. They get run the ball. Derek Carr is better than Fitzpatrick. Darren Waller is a lot better than Gasecki. That's a matchup problem, and they play better defense in Miami. Uh, then you got to go at Tennessee. We know how good they are right now. And then you're at home against Kansas City, the best team probably in the NFL, defending Super Bowl champs. That's four games in a row. Don't you think it's at least very realistic that this, the Buffalo Bills could be two and four after six games? I know that's not a fun thing to hear, but I feel like it's true. The four teams that they're going up against currently are undefeated. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's possible. I mean, I think you your expectations and the hope has to be they go four and two. Like, they split the next four. Like, they could beat – They, sh- I'm hoping they could beat Tennessee, but I think – Look, Tannehill's playing really well right now. And I know, yeah. like, I think Bills fans, and I'm, I'm, I'll include myself in this, we have owned Tannehill from his days in Miami, and I think yep. it's starting to show that maybe Tannehill's better and he was he was getting fucked over by Adam Case. Yeah. I mean, and that's – and because this might be a totally different dude now. So yep. that's a tough game. The, Oakland, be under, the Bills will be underdogs that game. Yeah, the Vegas one's really tough. And then, like, Kansas City, like, I mean, they're just – Man, like I said, dude, like I, like I told you, Pat, this is going back to the defense, man, because these four teams are about to play. Like three of the four, I think they are like top tier offensive teams like in the NFL, like the Rams, the Chiefs. And I, I, I love the Raiders offense. I think it's like top. Those are three top 10 offenses in this league right now. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe Tennessee, maybe Tennessee's close to it. Like I'm still I'm still iffy on Tannehill, but he's playing a lot better. But like. Yeah, it's just, it's going to be tough. And look, I'm just going to say this. Like, I'm, you know, you talked about the schedule thing. If you're a fan or a media member who is like, well, you know, you don't, you don't you get to pick who they play. Who cares if they play crappy teams? No, no, no. You should care if they play crappy teams. Because if you want to be a good team, you have to be a, beat a better team. Okay? And you have to know. Because guess what? If you make the playoffs, the likelihood of you playing a bad team is nil. Okay? Because all the good teams come in. And I'll even go back to last year. The Bills were nine and three last year, Pat. Okay, and I think a part of that that really hot start was they played some bad teams. And then once they played the Ravens, they played New England, they lost those games. And those were like the oh, you know, they lost, but at least they gave it a good shot, and they were close. And that, you know, I don't want to hear that shit. Okay, like you're in the you're, you're in the fourth year of this process or whatever of the McDermott era. Like there are no, I don't, I don't want to hear like lovable losers. Like, oh, at least they kept, they tried. Like, you yeah, not no teams. more, no more. You got to beat these good teams, and I think you have to. You better have an asterisk. Like, hey, they beat the Jets, they beat the Dolphins, two really bad teams. Okay, like the Jets were horrible. I, I know I wasn't on the podcast after the Jets game. That Jets team was a a, a disaster. They should have won by like a hundred points, you know. But like that Jets team was horrible. The 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 Dolphins team, like, come on, like. We're going to see, man. That's why it's it's interesting to see because it's like the reverse schedule from last year, man, when it was like the hot, like the easy opponents for the first, like, you know, three months of the season, two months. And then you got like the big boys, like you got the Ravens, you got the Patriots at the end. And now it's like, boom, you're going into like four really, really tough games. And I, look, for the record, too, I I said it's very realistic they could lose all four. I am certainly not predicting that the Bills are going to be two and four after six. I think they, at a minimum, could split these games because they're all winnable too. Sure. The Rams are not unbeatable. 
the Raiders, they're good, but you know, and they're two and zero, and they're legit two and zero, by the way. But they're not without flaws. I their defense is not great. I can absolutely see the Bills lighting up that defense at Tennessee. That's a tough game, but you know what? You said it. The Bills play very good against Tannehill. They beat them in Tennessee last year. It's not a game that they can't win. Even the Chiefs, dude. That's on a short week, and I just watched Kansas City. I watch all the Chiefs games because my man Demone Harris plays on that team. So whenever I get a chance to watch them, I watch them. They didn't look impressive to me against the Chargers. Patrick Mahomes kind of sucked for three quarters, to be honest with you. Now, I certainly wouldn't go into a game expecting them to suck. But my point is they're winnable games, but they're not Miami and they're not the Jets. And they're very capable of losing all four of those games. Even beyond that, you got those four games. Then you got a kind of a, a week off because you're playing at the Jets. You, you got to win that game. But dude, after that, at home against New England, at home against Seattle, and at Arizona. I think the biggest difference right now when I look at the schedule, I predicted 11-5. and five. You predicted 10-6 and six before the season started. And I think we both still very well could hit what we predict. But here's the difference between now and let's just say earlier in the summer. Vegas is much better, I think, than we thought and most people thought they would be. Arizona is definitely better than what we thought they were going to be. And the New England Patriots inside our own division, we thought they were done. We, I, was, I remember talking about Trevor Lawrence. Is Bill Belichick going to tank for Trevor Lawrence? Oh, they signed Cam Newton. No one else wanted this dude. Well, guess what? They're there. That's not an easy game. And we got to play them twice. And Cam's looking freaking good. And sure I told I, I told you not to sleep on Cam because you were like, oh, you called. I remember you called him Scam Newton. And I remember that, I, Pat. I did. But in you fairness did. to me, I, was I, like, I, did, I did. But I did draft him in both my fantasy teams this year. So I was in on Scam. Yeah, I, I, I'm not that shy. Don't call him Scam. That's a horrible. Anyways. Uh, but yes. <laughs> No, it's a tough schedule, man. And I've been saying that, like, I've been saying that for a while. And I know, like, it can switch and blah, blah, blah. But, like, there's some legit damn quarterbacks they're playing, man. They ain't no Duck Hodges or, like, whoever the hell they played last year. The rookie from Denver. I don't even remember, you know, Fitz. And, like, they, they played, like, uh, so they, many. They, they played a they, lot of bums. They yeah. played a lot of bums last year. They played guys who, like, lost their jobs. Okay. Yeah, they're not even they're not even in the NFL right now, guys. Yeah. They won against last year. Yeah. But, no, you're right. I mean, you got Mahomes. You got Russell Wilson. You got Big Ben coming. You got Kyler Murray. Golf this Sunday. Uh, we talked Rand Tannehill. Derek Carr's played very well for the Raiders. Yeah, it's going to be a hard roll. But you know what? Let's worry about later in the season, later in the season. Let's enjoy being 2-0. But having said that, let's look ahead right now. So you got the Rams. I want to get a prediction from you. Before that, like I said, you talked about Jared Goff. He's off to a good start. Um, the Rams running game's really good. 340 yards rushing in their first two games. And that's without Todd Gurley, who I thought was actually a liability for them. They got one of those running back by committee approaches going. It's working for him. We talked about Woods. We talked about Cooper Cup. We talked Tyler Higby, great tight end. Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in the entire NFL. He's going to be a problem for the, we, we, I praised the Bills offensive line singing their praises. Let's see after Sunday when you got Aaron Donald and Michael Brokers, Leonard Floyd, really good team. But anyway, again, let's not project too far into the season. We got plenty of time throughout Who's the year. The Rams de- you can look this up while I give the predict- prediction. Who's the Rams defensive coordinator? I know Wade Phil it used to be Wade and he got fired or quit or um it, it, Brandon Staley's the, the defensive coordinator for the Rams. Who's he? Is he oh, okay, whatever. I thought he was the, I don't know who he is. Whatever. All right. Well, Take that out of the podcast. They, okay, they got anyway. the, no, no, no. They got a lot of talent. <laughs> but anyway, let's just focus on this game. We'll worry about the regular season, the rest of the season at a later date. Let's just I want to get your prediction. What do you think is gonna happen at what? I don't know, four fifteen or so Sunday. What's gonna be the score? Who do you got winning? 
I, I got the Rams winning uh, thirty four to twenty one. I think I I, I think right I love, down time, I, huh? Yeah, I think the Rams offense is going to give a lot of fits to the Bills defense, and I think the Rams defense has a lot. Like Aaron Donald's a beast, and that defense is a lot better than what the the Jets and the Dolphins were. So yeah. I think I think I think Josh Allen will come back down to earth a little bit. But I think when we when the when it's all said and done and we read and we talk about it afterwards, it's going to be about the Bills defense uh, struggling against the Rams offense. I've been telling you, I'm on I'm on this kick since like this morning when I was like looking through Pro Football Reference and I was like, you know, the Bills defense just hasn't played a lot of great offenses in like the last couple of years, and I'm kind of worried about that. And I'm I'm with the Milano and Edmonds. I know Milano's supposed to come back, I guess. And Edmonds doesn't look good as of right now as we tape this uh, on Thursday. But I, I think it's going to be – it's the Rams are so deep. They are the worst – I think they're like the worst matchup for the Bills. Like because they just – they can just – they got so many skill guys. They can spread the field. I like I like, I like uh, Matthew Fairburn Jr., you know, Sean McVay, you know, because they <laughs> kind of look the same. Right. And, but I, I it's, a, it's a dicey game. It is. And look, I, I don't think the the crowd meant a lick the first two games, but this is the first game where I could look at COVID as kind of a factor because I do think, you know, 70,000 rabid fans at Bills Stadium would make a difference. The Bills have not played anybody. The Rams are good. The Bills are good too, though, but I, I could definitely see struggles. So, you know, I'm going to hold off on a prediction right here, but I'll say that I I could see where you're going with this and why. Again, the Bills could win the game, and I know you know that as well, but you got to be realistic here. You like the Rams, and I don't think that's much of a a reach at all. Before we get out of here, there's a couple quick. Did you pick? I'm going to pick later on. Oh, okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Before we get out of here, though, I got a couple things that I want to get to uh, quickly that that we're going to get out of here. I mentioned this briefly at the top. Five NFL head coaches got fined 100 grand each and the teams got fined 250k each for not having their mask on on the sidelines during a game. So it was 1.75 million. I got a problem with this, dude. I just want to get a quick take from you. To me that's bullshit. These guys are getting tested before the games. That's almost like NFL grandstanding to me. To do, do something better than that. I get it. You want to promote wearing masks, but they're on the sidelines with a bunch of guys who've been tested. Everyone out there has been I, I just personally, I, I think that's ridiculous. What, what's your take on that? Uh, you got to wear a mask, man. I mean, look, those are the rules. And, and yeah, maybe it's a lot more, but this is the NFL. They give fines for people who don't have the proper socks on or uniforms or any of that. Uh, I know they get tested before the games, but like this virus has has proven to to get you, even if you test 24 hours negative before, and then all of a sudden you're positive a, a day later. Like there's been right. stories like that. So I don't. here's the thing. Just it's not. I wear a mask. We talked about this at the start. I wear a mask a lot when I leave. When I leave my apartment, I'm on the phone on my Bluetooth talking to people while wearing a mask, and no one goes, "Man, I can't hear you. You sound really muffled right now." Like they can hear me, so I don't know why they have to take their mask off. It, it, they can hear the the refs, the play callers. They can hear you. Okay, that's bullshit. Now maybe it's habit forming for them, and they're they, they got to take it down, and maybe they're. Because, you know, you're yelling at the, the referee. So I understand that to a certain point. But, you know, just that's why you have hands. You can wave your hands at a referee and still yell and they'll still hear you. So 
I don't know. I, I, I have no issue with that, you know, in terms of that maybe like, hey, like if you think it's too much, so be it. But come on, it's not that big of a detriment for them, you know. And, and again, this this virus, we still don't know everything there is to know about it. There have been reports of people testing positive after testing negative like a day later. So that's let's be careful. OK, do you want it to be like you get everyone gets gets the virus on the on the on the, fo- on the game day or whatever? You know, and you don't know. I don't know. You know, you just just be careful about it. It's not they're not asking you to 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 be in a bubble and, you know, or in a, a, the Pope mobile to call the plays. OK, just wear a, a freaking mask, y'all. All right. Moving, moving on from that. I, I really it, it, it just it felt like grandstanding to me. But whatever. Sure, no, was, it, was it a little was it a little grandstanding? Sure. The NFL, the, the, the league, the NFL does have a big dick. They like to swing it. Yes, probably a little bit of that. But I, I don't I don't. I think it's like coaches can't be doing that. Can't be doing that. Sorry. It's not just the rule. What you I want to move on to a couple other things. Uh, sure. Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> Gee, I'm not laughing because it's not funny. I shouldn't laugh. Uh, so this guy, does he not have the worst luck, man? So he leaves the Bills to the playoffs. He gets traded in the offseason. I got no problem with that. The Bills want to upgrade and get a franchise quarterback. I get it. So he goes to Cleveland. He's a short-term starter after they draft Baker. Guy gets a concussion after just, I think, three games with them. Now he's with the Chargers. Gets an opportunity to start after Phillip Rivers leaves. They don't, or they do draft a quarterback, but they don't start him right away. One start with the Chargers, which was a win, by the way, on the road. And he's got a rib injury and the team doctor punctures his lung. I mean, Jesus Christ. Does this guy not have the worst luck ever, man? It it sucks to see because, again, and we're certainly not going to get into no Tyrod conversation this late into the podcast, other than I think we both think that he's a good guy and deserves better than what he's got. And just freaking horrible luck for this dude, man. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 terrible. It's terrible luck for him. And I feel like it's going to be the same thing that happened in Cleveland because I think the, the rookie will come in, probably play well, and then, they, they, like, you know, Anthony is going to have no choice to keep, but keep going with him while yeah. Tyrod sits on the bench probably. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I could be wrong. I know he said, like, I know he said Tyrod – Still, I think he said it last week that like he's still he their said starter. that he's, he he did, and, and I get why he said that now because I watched that game and I'm like, how do you not go to this rookie? He looked really good against the Chiefs, yeah. but it's because Tyrod got hurt by his own team doctor. You can't bench that dude because of that. Yeah, and 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 I think Anthony Lynn has a soft spot for Tyrod, just going back to their days in Buffalo, and you know he brought he brought him in there last year, you know, as the backup to Rivers. So well, maybe you know, Anthony. Anthony Lincoln goes searching for a new job next year with Tyrod because, again, I watched that game. They had the ball in overtime against the Kansas City Chiefs, and they punted from, I don't know, close to midfield on fourth and two. They didn't go for it. They punted. Everyone knew Mahomes was going to bring him down and score points and, and end mm-hmm. the game, and that's exactly what he did. Screw that shit. But anyway, mm-hmm. I, I know you don't care much about Skip Bayless, and I don't even know why I do. I shouldn't. But he's been in a lot of hot water. Everybody knows what he is. He's a troll. Again, he's always going after LeBron, no matter what LeBron does. He either loves you or he hates you. Um, again, he's a Tom Brady stan. He hates Aaron Rodgers. He's always talking shit about him, and he does it for effect, and we all know that. Recently, again, he got in hot water because he questioned Dak Prescott over uh, mental stuff. I don't really don't need to get into on this episode, but bottom line is he was in the last month of his contract. And there was a lot of talk. Well, just get rid of this guy. Enough is enough. Well, nope. Because I just read this week that he's nearing a $6 million per year deal with Fox Sports to stay on. What's your take on that? Because to me, it's like at this point, 
People don't even want to be informed anymore about sports, man, because they just want a reaction. You want to be entertained. You want to be incited because in today's day and age, we already have all the info we need, uh, scores and stats and, you know, all 22 film, all this shit. He brings no value. He's like a sports version of a TV shock jock. You know what I mean? What's your take on him? Him getting all that money because it seems like everybody hates him, but obviously people must be watching him because that's a six million a year is a hell of a lot of money. Well, I don't think people are watching him because Richard Deich, he always used to tweet out the ratings for his show on Fox. <laughs> Nickelodeon <Man>. comparison. <laughs> yeah, he would say like Tiger Paws or Dog Paws would kick his ass. I don't know, whatever show. Like he's not doing good in ratings. So I don't know why Fox is it's paying him that much money. I mean, look, I, I think of Skip Bayless as a character. He's a troll, like you said. He just tries to get a, a rise out of people. Um, it's kind of crazy to me. And I, I had this tweet. A few weeks back that I felt I felt Skip Bayless at one time was like the worst sports personality like ever, like in terms of like at that moment, like not just because of what he says, but because he's like a bad influence on future shock jocks or sportscasters who who think they got to be like the contrarian and just say really stupid shit. And I don't even think this day and age he's even in, 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 he's at, he's as bad as like, you know, we talked about this before, like the barstool sports idiots or now Clay Travis and Jason Whitlock are horrible and they're just kind of like teetering towards like, like, I don't know, I guess Republican sports fans who don't, who don't want to see Black Lives Matter anymore or anything like that on TV or any of that shit. Like it's gotten, it's getting worse to be honest with you with those, those two other people I just mentioned where I think they're worse than Skip Bayless is in terms of an influence. But to go back to your original point, yeah, I don't know why they would, put that much money into him. The ratings seem to be bad. I've always said this, like ESPN is always going to be king in comparison to like NBC sports or CBS sports and even Fox sports because they, those three other entities, I always kind of feel they're like ESPN light and they just, they have the same formula. Hey, we're going to steal some of your guys. We're going to bring them over here. We're going to have like the two talking heads yell at each other. And it's the same shit. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just light. And I think those networks need to find a way to just be a complete alternative to them. And I don't, I'm not going to sit here and, and figure out how. I'm not paid to do that. I'm sure maybe I could if someone wanted to pay me that I could figure out ways to make it better, to make it work. But when you go in there and go, hey, we're just going to have really hot take personalities, ESPN already has that. you know. And, and I, I don't think those networks doing the same thing is the answer. And maybe – Maybe Fox feels that way about Skip Bayless. I don't know, but it doesn't make sense to me to, to pay him $6 million. That's ridiculous, especially during this time, like, you know, during COVID, like, you know, where things economically are not great. You're going to pay him $6 million. Like, that sounds insane. All right. So before I get out of here today, it is time for Pat's Picks. I'm doing this each week during the NFL season on our Friday episodes. I'm going through each and every NFL football game against the point spread and making picks with the exception of Thursday night football, because generally speaking, I'm taping the segment on Thursdays and I don't want to have Thursday night football included because you'll be listening to this on Friday mornings. But anyway, dude, 11 and four last week, by the way, you should be listening to my picks and going to Vegas and making some bets because you'd be up some money. 11 and 4 in week one, 9, 5, and 1 in week two. I'm sorry, I got that reversed. 11 and 4 last week in week two, 
9-5-1 to open the season in week one. Folks, that's 29-1 through two weeks. 11 games over 500. Let's see if I can improve on that in week three. Let's start with going Atlanta minus three and a half over the Chicago Bears. Look, I think the Chicago Bears are the phoniest 2-0 team in the NFL. Atlanta is pissed off, embarrassed, desperate, losing, blowing a huge lead at the end of that Dallas game last week. I think they're going to bounce back. That offense is really good. Even though Julio Jones is a little bit iffy with a hamstring, I'm going to go Atlanta. I'm going to go Philly minus five and a half over the Cincinnati Bengals. Philly's 0-2. They cannot go 0-3. The Bengals at home is a great bounce back game for them. I'm going to go Houston Texans on the road, plus four over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Houston's 0-2. Man, if you go three games down to Tennessee in the AFC South, that's probably a wrap for your season right there. They got to win this football game. And I don't know that they're going to, but I just sense, I have a hunch, a gut, that this game's going to be like a field goal game very late. I like Deshaun Watson. Sooner or later, I said that last week, and Houston disappointed me. But I'm going to ride them again. So Houston plus four on the road at Pittsburgh. I'm going to go Raiders plus six and a half on the road at New England. I just talked about Chicago being a phony 2-0 team. The Raiders are not a phony 2-0 team. They're good. They're good. They can run the ball. They can throw the ball at tight end. Darren Waller is amazing. The defense is good enough. I'm still not completely sold on the New England Patriots. I know they look good in Seattle, even in a loss last week. I know Cam Newton's look good early on. I like the Raiders. Six and a half points. I think this is going to be a close game. So I'm going to take the points there. Uh, I'm going to go San Francisco minus four and a half on the road against the New York Giants. Look, I know how bad Frisco is getting killed, decimated with injuries right now. That Nick Bosa injury sucks, by the way. Done for the year. That dude is so dominant. Maybe the best defensive lineman in the entire NFL already. He's out. I don't know how that bodes for their chances to repeat as NFC champions, in my opinion. Probably is going to end up being the nail. But anyway, they're playing the New York Giants, even on the road. The Giants stink. They stink with Saquon Barkley. He's gone. I... I, I just I, I can't bet against Frisco. So four and a half. I'll take the I'll give the points there. I'm gonna take Minnesota plus two and a half at home against Tennessee. Not a big Vikings fan. I think they're a little bit overrated. I think Kirk Cousins is overrated, but they're also too good of a football team to be 0 3. They gotta win this football game. Tennessee's a very tough team, but I'm gonna go Minnesota at home, getting their first win of the season, plus two and a half points on top of that. I'll take Cleveland minus seven at home against Washington. I'm not a big Cleveland fan, but they seem to look good against inferior competition. We saw it last week against the Bengals. This is the kind of game where I could see them winning by 20 to 25 points and people talking about Baker Mayfield and this offense is back. Then they'll go out and play Baltimore, Pittsburgh and get slapped all over the place. But anyway, this week I like Cleveland minus seven. Uh, I'm going to go Chargers minus six and a half points at home against Carolina. No Christian McCaffrey. Dude, that, that guy's good for... 7 to 14 points every single week. If you have them in fantasy football, you know what I'm talking about. Those points are off the board. I don't think they're going to be replaced. Chargers got a good defense on top of that. We saw that last week against the Chiefs. So I love that game. Chargers minus 6.5. Here's a stunner. I'm going to take the New York football Jets on the road, plus 7.5 over Indy. I think the Jets are horrific. I think they very well may be the worst team in the NFL. In fact, you know what? I think they are the worst team in the NFL. But you know what? Sooner or later, they're bound to play a close game. And this just feels like that to me. 
Phillip Rivers makes a couple mistakes. Sam Darnold makes a couple very good plays, even with that funk-ass offensive talent around him and a horrible head coach in Adam Gase. 10 half points is enough that they're going to keep it close. So I'll take the points there. Dallas plus five on the road at Seattle. I think aside from maybe Kansas City, Dallas might have the most talented offense in all football. Five points to me, giving Dallas five points, that's a lot. We saw what Cam Newton did against Seattle's defense last week. I see no reason why Dak Prescott can't do the same with better talent around him against Seattle. So I'm going to take Dallas plus five there. I'm going to take Arizona minus five and a half at home over Detroit. Uh, Detroit's just not good. Kyler Murray is good. Uh, I'm going to take Denver plus six at home against Tampa Bay. Look, I've been saying this since before the season started. I'm not sold on Tampa Bay. I think Tom Brady is essentially washed up. Uh, Gronk is completely washed up. The the running game, who knows, is going to run the football that week. Mike Evans has not been 100%. Chris Godwin's coming off a concussion. Now, the Tampa Bay defense is really good. But you know what? Denver at home plus six. Even with you lock out, even with Von Miller not there for the defense, they can play teams tough. There's a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. They're at home. I definitely see a close game here. So I'm going to take Denver plus six. Uh, two more games left here. Actually, three. Sticking with the underdog. I'm going to take this as Sunday night football. Green Bay plus three on the road at New Orleans. I love the Packers this year. I, I hate saying it because I did not think they were going to be that good. But Aaron Rodgers is on a mission right now. That dude, you know, for all the Josh Allen talk about MVP, Josh, Josh Allen may or may not be around that conversation for long. Aaron Rodgers, as long as he don't get hurt, he will be around for that long. This guy is on a mission. He looks fantastic. Conversely, look, I picked the Saints to win the Super Bowl on this uh, preview show right before the season started. Picked the Saints to go all the way and beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But I've watched him play twice this year already, both games. Drew Brees is, I'm worried. If I'm a Saints fan, I'm very worried about him. He looks like he's struggling to make 15-yard throws with any accuracy or any oomph in the ball, any strength. It's not there. As good as the Saints are, top to bottom, if the worst player out there is your quarterback, that's a problem. So if you combine that, Green Bay, again, Aaron Rodgers on a mission right now. Tell you what, I'm going to take Green Bay. I'm going to take the points. Uh, Monday Night Football. Oh, I can't wait for this game. Kansas City plus three on the road over Baltimore. That's where I'm going. Two of the best teams in the NFL, certainly in the AFC. The two best quarterbacks, arguably, in the NFL, Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. I just think this is the type of game where Pat Mahomes wants to go out there and leave no doubt that he's the best quarterback in the NFL. And as much as I like Baltimore, at the end of the day, when I sit down, I look at my screen, and I see that the Kansas City Chiefs are not just playing, but they're getting points. I just, I I can't do it. I can't pick against them. So I'm going Kansas City plus three. I do three locks each week too, by the way. I went two and one each of the first two weeks. So four and two on the season. My three locks are Chargers minus six and a half. I'm going to go Cleveland minus seven. I'm going to go Atlanta minus three and a half. And I saved the best for last. Although a lot of Bills fans might not be happy with this. Sunday, 1 p.m., Sorry, Bills Mafia. I am, but I got to go Rams plus one and a half on the road over to Buffalo Bills. And that is no disrespect to the Bills. And I am not discounting the fact that, yes, they only beat the, the, the Jets and the Dolphins. A lot of critics are talking about they didn't beat nobody, which is true. I mean, let's not deny that. 
but that doesn't take away from them being a good team. I think they're very good. Josh Allen looks like he's definitely turned a corner. That offense with Stephon Diggs is phenomenal right now. We already know how good the defense is. When healthy, when healthy, it's an elite defense. Very well coached. The Buffalo Bills are for real. I just simply think right now after playing two chump stain opponents, that the Rams are a really good team. That defensive line is phenomenal. Aaron Donald is going to be such a problem. Jalen Ramsey, and we could hate him, and we should hate him. Bills fans I'm speaking of. But he's a great corner. That's going to be a hell of a matchup, by the way, on Sunday with Stephon Diggs. Hopefully, they'll spend a lot of time against each other. The Rams are just well-rounded, man. Really good offense. They can throw the ball. They can run the ball. They got a good line. They've played tough teams. I just feel that they got a lot to prove this year, the Rams. I'm speaking of one and a half points. The spread really is basically a pick em. I just like the Rams in a close game. Sorry, Bills Mafia, but that's what I'm going with. So I'm going with the Rams, and that'll do it for Pat's Picks Week 3. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you again, as always, to my buddy Joe. Joe from New York City, at Buffalo Wins on Twitter. One of the strongest sports social media personalities you'll find out there. I always love his takes. Even if I don't agree with him, I appreciate him. So thank you very much, Joe. Guys, girls, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do that right now. Rate and review, all that fun stuff. It really, really helps me continue to grow this podcast. You can find us on all the major podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, all of them. Go check us out. Also check us out on YouTube, Talking Buffalo Podcast YouTube channel. I put highlight clips from current and past episodes up there. Very soon, I'm going to start having some original content that you'll only find on that channel. Might even start dabbling in some video very soon, so go check that out. Then, of course, last but not least, follow me on Twitter, at Pamoran Tweets. I am constantly tweeting out podcast updates, upcoming guests, promos, sports talk with fans, all kinds of stuff. I love Twitter, at Pamoran Tweets. Thank you very, very much again for listening. God, I keep saying it, but I believe it. It's true. There's so many podcasts out there, so many. And when you're locked in on this one, jogging at the office, in the car, wherever you may be, man, it means the world to me. It really does. So thank you very much. I very much appreciate you. Have a good weekend. New shows coming up next week. Big game for the Bills on Sunday. Hopefully, we'll have a lot of positive stuff to come about next Tuesday. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.